What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Doing business like a CEO while saving like a CFO. Staples has all the supplies you need to run your business like a boss at prices that'll make your bookkeeper smile. Now that is an achievement. Everything from markers and pens to 2019 desk calendars. And right now, a 12-pack of Sharpie markers and an 8-pack of Expo dry erase markers are only $4.99 each. At Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. Ends $119.19 in-store only. What are we going to do as a church? Our souls need to wake up. We need to respond to the gospel of Jesus. He said, go into the world. We don't want to deal with reality, Christian. We don't even want to deal with reality even though we've been saved from this place. I'm calling on you today in the name of Jesus to rise up to the call of God. Christ is coming back soon. If I start telling people about hell, I might just scare them off. Where are you going to scare them off to? Hell number two? People stop thinking about it. If hell really exists, and it does, I didn't say that Jesus did. Then don't you think people need to know about it? Can't you at least give them a fighting chance? Are you just going to sit there and let them burn? Hey, good night. This is Chris from Don't Let Them Burn. I want to thank you and this, for joining our show tonight. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Tonight we have a very interesting show. Go ahead, Chris. We just want to tell you how to find us, and then you could come to uh, don'tletthemburn.com, ask any questions. You, we, our chat room is open right now. Um, we have a special show tonight. But you can find us other places today, uh, YouTube, vid.me, Twitter, Facebook, scene.life, Tumblr, and Instagram. And so while we wait on our guests to um, come in, it's just going to talk a little bit. Yes, before we even get started, why don't we just go ahead and have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father God, we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We want to adore you for your many blessings, O oh Lord God, the gift of life, O oh Lord God, the gift of eternal life that we have that's in Jesus Christ. Dear Lord God, we just ask you to take full control of the show tonight. Dear Lord God, everything that we do is only to bring honor and glory to your name and your name alone. So, Lord God, we just ask you to take full control, and we just ask you, dear Lord God, that lives will be touched, lives will be impacted and changed to having a deeper relationship with you, Lord. We pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so... Tonight's show is going to be on um, the Illuminati and their plans for a new world order. And, you know, this goes all the way back to, way back to the Tower of Babel, way back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, and, and these people have some interesting thoughts about where they come from and the line of this and that. So, so as we wait on, I guess, we'll just... Um, Talk to you a little about, bit about what's going on in the world, uh, where it's coming from, and um, how this might be perceived by you. So, Rory, um, I think here's some things in the background you want to lead the people. Well, okay. <clears throat> well, like you said, and I'll just sort of um, let everybody know where we're we're going to start from. One of the things that um, we have come across while studying the word of God, we see that um, 
on the plane of Shinar, that's where a lot of the issues started from. Well, actually, it started from in the Garden of Eden. When men, men fell um, into sin, um, the sin that uh, they were tricked into or deceived by the serpent. And Chris said earlier that some people will tell you that they're from a different lineage and some from, from um, whatever it is they're saying. But here is what the word of God says, that, you know, Eve was deceived in the garden and <clears throat> she was deceived by Lucifer. And you will find that people today are saying that they're followers of the light. And in the, in, in the New Testament, um, if you want to look at John, John chapter 9, John chapter 10, somewhere thereabout, it talks about when the Pharisees and Sadducees came to, to Jesus and they were questioning for healing a man. They said, how it is that you can heal someone? And, you know, they were talking to him, and Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. In other words, Jesus was saying, you guys, you guys are not mine. You guys follow someone else. And, you know, this is what Chris is, is alluding to, that they're followers of a different way. They're not followers of the way, followers of Jesus Christ. They're following Satan himself. And so we have today in the world, we have these things that are going on. And I would like for you to read it where you see Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Um, go and read it for yourselves. <clears throat> so um, if you want to go, another passage of scripture that I, I like to look at is, is Psalms 2. Psalms 2 talks about why do the heathen range and the people imagine a vain thing? And it says the kings, and this is what we're going to talk about today, the kings of the earth have gathered themselves together to say, let us cast their bands asunder. Now, if we, if we are looking at what the scripture is saying, who, who is the person that set the bands in place? It's God himself. He was the creator. He was the one who orchestrated. He said in the beginning that he was going to create the male and female. And today what we're finding out, men are trying to cast off the bands that God had put in place. So, you know, in Psalms 2, it says, let us cast their bands asunder. Let us get them off of us. Let us do our own thing. And this is what they're doing. So when we say, um, we talk about what the kings of the earth are planning, they're planning something that is from way back. It, it goes far back. So we are going to look, and it all started, like we said, on the plane of Shinar, which is the Babylonian mystery religions. You go and, and you look in the book of Revelation, it talks about mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. So why is she a mother? Because she's the one that orchestrated all of these, these religions that are not of God. And, and this is what the word of God talks about, of how, um, how 
and what people are doing today. This is where we are. So we are, we are right. We are looking at how the Bible is unfolding before us. When we look at Matthew 24, we look at um, Revelations and, and, you know, in the book of Psalms and some of the minor prophets talked about these days. Daniel talked about these days, talking about the, the fourth beast is unlike any of the other beasts before it, where it obliterates everything in its path. So this is what we're going to talk about tonight. And we have our guest, Doc Marquise. Yes, how you doing there? How you doing, Doc? <laughs> Oh, I'm doing great. How about yourselves? I'm oh, great. great. Uh, thank the Lord. Oh, just good. thank you for um, thank you for taking our time to come on our show. Oh, it's my pleasure. We were just having problems trying to connect before. Yeah, yeah. So now we have a clear reception, and we're gonna let you, you know, get into the whole thing. Here, the title is the Illuminati and their plan for the New World Order. So, anywhere you want to start. Well, what would you folks like to um, what would you like to begin with? I was just listening to was that Rory in the back um, that yes, was, it was speaking before. Yes. Yes. Okay, Rory, you were talking about um, mystery Babylon and all this, right? Yes, sir. Well, actually, there's no mystery about it. We can take um, the entire system. And track it all the way back to the Tower of Babylon itself, you know, with Nimrod and his mother, Semiramis. And when we look into the belief system of what they had started, it was um, by any um, definition you want to come up with, it was the very first religion upon the face of the earth, and it's known as witchcraft. Contrary to popular belief, Judaism is not the first religion. That came... Oh, my goodness, that, that was about a good 1,500 years later. But if we look at the Babylonian system, we could actually bring it all the way up to the creation of the Order of the Illuminati. You see, when Dr. Adam Weishaupt had officiated the Illuminati on May 1st, 1776, if we look at the religious system, of the Illuminati, which is known as Luciferian witchcraft, it's the same thing that you would have found in Babylon, except the difference is this Luciferian ideology, this, um, if you want to call it, um, Illuminism. The idea had, had always been there, but no one was able to actualize it until Dr. Weishaupt. And once it became officiated in a reality... For almost 250 years now, the Illuminati have been following a very strict seven-part plan towards, and this is in Dr. Adam Weishaupt's own words now, towards the Novus Ordo Seclorum, or translated from the original Latin, the New World Order. Now, when we think about this, the New World Order basically is supposed to be a one-world governance under a one-world religious system, under a one-world monetary system, under a one-world global dictator. That's what the whole of the New World Order consists of. Now, isn't that the same thing that Nimrod had done after um, the great flood of Noah? Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. when we project this into the future... 
when the tribulation period is here and the Antichrist has taken over. If we look specifically at Revelation chapter 13, 17, and 18, we will find that's exactly what will happen again and exactly as it had been done with Nimrod and Dr. Adam Weishaupt himself. Well, Hence, shall we say, when Vice King um, Solomon said, and there was no new thing under the sun. Exactly. Exactly. And we, and we talked about that um, one of our recent Bible studies. Uh, how about, you know, all the things that are going on, don't be so perplexed by it because, you know, the Bible states, clearly states that there's nothing new under the sun. And some of these organizations and things, they've been around for so long, you know? Oh, and well, it can't be um, something new because in order for something to be new, we had to have learned the lessons of the past to avoid it in the future. Well, guess what? We haven't. For some mm-hmm. reason, we seem to be stuck in our little Christian comfort zone, and don't you dare tell me to step out of it, and don't you dare confuse me with the past. Yes, it's true. Hmm? Uh, a lot of churches won't step out of their country comfort zone. Well, no, of course not. And it is written in the Bible. This is written in the Bible. Oh, please, don't, as I said, don't confuse them with the facts. <laughs> you, know? you know, the problem here is we find in Revelation chapter 3 that the seventh church age, the last church age, which you and I are living in right now, is a cursed church age. It's known as Laodicea. Laodicean Christians, for the most part, are lukewarm. In other words, they're fence walkers. They won't commit to the left or right-hand side. And the condemnation from Christ himself is, because you are neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You're no good to me. Mm. Right. Right. And that's what we see. We see a lot of compromise. We see uh, what what some would say, the apostasy, you know. So many churches are compromised and infiltrated at the same time. Uh, by you know secret orders or whatever, and well, when, yeah, go ahead. Well, that excuse is only going to go so far that you know they've been infiltrated. Not every church mm. has been infiltrated, and right. even if they have been, um, I've been warning and you know and speaking out against the Illuminati, what they do, how they do it, including the eight-part plan towards how they infiltrate a church and bring it down. I've been doing this for 38 years now. It's not that the information isn't available. It's whether or not they really want to do anything. Okay, okay, mm. Doc. Doc, you, you touch on a, a, a hot-button point for me there. And I would like to, you know, if at some point during this, you know, while we're having this conversation, for you to go and touch on that um, eight-part way or eight-part um um, series of events that they use to infiltrate a church or infiltrate the body of believers, because that's very the Bible- easy. You start, you start the, and at the top, you um, the person um, goes into the church and he pretends to be one of them and, or or pretends to get saved. Now that person very quickly is going to become one of the biggest donors you can imagine. He's going to tithe like no one's business and. Most churches like to say, oh, that person um, is really sending in a lot. You know, we really want to treat this guy special. 
Hmm. You know, whatever happened to not being a respecter of men? Mm. Yeah. No? I don't know, and I really don't care who has or who doesn't have money. What I'm concerned about is their spiritual condition and their walk with the Lord. Why should anything else matter? Because the pastor is the spiritual shepherd, is he not? Absolutely. Right. So we're supposed to be focused on this person's spiritual condition, not what he has of this world. I mean, doesn't the Bible tell us again not to, you know, go after the things of this world? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so here we have, you know, so many contradictions that we're trying to justify under, you know, um, an air of spirituality, and it's just not going to work. Um, this person also going to um, um, quickly um, 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 someone who does a lot of work in the church, like he's going to want to teach Sunday school and certain things like that. Now that's when you really got to get in trouble, because most um, Christians, um, we have to be honest with it, they're not reading their Bibles. So they're not sure if what that person is saying is contradicting the word of God or not. They're just going to go with it because, ooh, this guy's in a leadership, is in um, is a teacher, so he must know what he's talking about. Hmm. Now, the next thing that's going to happen, he's going to get into a leadership position, whether it's as a deacon or whatever else they, or an elder, you know, which he's not qualified. In either case, because first of all, the deacons do not, and I don't care if anyone likes this or not, and I'm not going to apologize for it, because I will not apologize for saying what the Word of God says. The um, deacons do not run the church. They do not run the pastor. They serve. Exactly. That's what um, the word giganos means. It means to serve. Exactly. And and a a deacon has nothing to do with the spiritual life of the church. They're there as helpers. They were there in the right. meeting to no take care of the widows. Exactly. No, but I've known too many churches that are run by deacon boards. Mm, and no, trust right. me, I don't go to them. <laughs> um, and I, I, I want to read a passage of scripture. I want to read the passage of scripture that you, you, you talked about, you touched on. And it's it's Please. it's it's in Jude Jude three, Jude you know the, of course it only has one um, chapter in there but verse three says beloved, then I gave you all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Four says, for there are certain men that are crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you're, you're saying. And, you know, I... I and you know this is what this is what amazes me. How does a person who, by definition, is a servant, suddenly 
um, given authority over the church itself. Mm. You know, and some folks, that isn't working. Now, let's consider the elder. An elder person would be, by any easy definition, a senior member of Christianity who, shall we say, has been um, working at it for um, a number of decades. In other words, they're not a Johnny-come-lately. They've been saved right. 20, 25, 30, 35 some odd years, you know. This person has diligently read the Bible. They um, may have um, taught a Sunday school class or something. You know, this is a person that's been involved one way or the other and, you know, has earned his stripes. That's an elder of the church. But that does not give him authority. Right. No. The sole authority over the church is the pastor. Absolutely. And I was just asked, and someone on on um, my Facebook page today um, begged the question, um, should females be pastors? <laughs> and I'm going to say this again, folks, and whether you like it or not, here's what the Bible says. No. Yeah. There it is. One Absolutely. simple answer. One simple word. The answer is no. The Bible clearly points out that the pastor, now listen to this carefully, the pastor is the husband of one wife. The pastor, by, by that simple verse, obviously is male. Now, yeah. I could get into other verses, but let's cut to the short and long of this. The pastor is the husband of one wife. Never once in the entire scriptures is that contradicted. You will never find um, a lady in the pastorship. It's always men. The God, uh, God has ordained positions for men and for females, and we are not supposed to be stepping out of those lines. God knows what he's doing. Amen. He says he wants the females to do this and he wants the males to do this. Do it. Don't argue Amen. with God, people. You know, I think yes. since he calls everything into existence, then he must know what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Definitely. I now, agree totally. What they're going to do now, that, and now that that person is, is sneaking his way into the leadership position, um, they're going to start um, attacking the pastor. Mm. They're going to, and I've seen this happen so many times, they're going to try to make him trip. Um, by having him commit adultery one way or another. Mm. And I've seen churches destroyed because of that one reason alone. I know because the church where I got saved um, was brought down. Mm. And if that doesn't work, trust me, they'll, um, they'll buy him off. They'll try buying him off first. But if that doesn't work... They'll use um, a number of the other methods. Um, so, then after that, after that, once the person gets into his leadership position now, he's going to start questioning the Word of God. He's going to start saying, does it really say that? Or are we just so prideful that we think it means that? They'll use the old pride and arrogance to say, well, that's what we think it is, but... Why don't we look at it from God's perspective 
And that's, you know, how they'll word it to make it look like, well, if we look like this way, then we're avoiding being prideful and arrogant. You see what I'm saying there? Yeah. yeah. Right. And, that, and that's how we try to point out to people that like, we have to go back to the Word of God to really see what it says, not because this person or that person said it. See what it actually says. And then exactly. For yourself. And I'll tell you right For now, yourself. I drove. Absolutely. I drove every single one of my university professors insane. I did it mm. because, and, and don't get me wrong, they were highly qualified, highly educated. I mean, I remember, one of my favorite professors was Dr. Roy J. Norton. The man had three doctorates, six masters, a dozen BAs and BSs. And I love the man dearly, but if he said something that I didn't think, I understood right, or, and, or I didn't line up with the Bible. Trust me right now, I would challenge him and, um, to it until we get down to the nitty-gritty. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I had to because I knew um, how the Illuminati had set these things up. And mm. I was going to make sure, because you see, at that point, when I first went to university, um, oh, I was... Not even a year and a half at that point But um, As I said I certainly remembered um, How they um, destroyed places like this So not knowing the Bible As well as I should have been Obviously a year, less than a year and a half I wanted to make sure that what they were saying Was lining up with what God had stated mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And this is what we need to do. I mean, does not Scripture teach us to try the spirits to see if they be of God? Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Test every indeed. spirit. Every that's spirit. What that's, what, that's what the Bible says. I test. That's what the Bible says. Try them or test. Put them to the test. See if it's true or not. And that's exactly what I do. I do it to this very day. And the, I don't care if the person's... Um, has been saved 35, 40, 45, 50 years. No, something sounds wrong. I'm going to challenge it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm not going to allow um, an untruth or an unknown, um, shall we say, biblical teaching just to creep in. No. No, that's why things have been so messed up, mm. because we've allowed these things to creep in. We were warned about this, but how many of us really listened? How many of us, you know, tried not to let these things creep in? See, we've become very lazy. Mm. That's the problem. Yeah. We always say, well, someone else can do it, or that person's valid qualified. Or no. How much qualifications do you need to simply compare what a person said to the Word of God? You yeah. don't need a university degree for that. Just do it. See if it's true or not. And if it isn't, you bring it to the right people that can do something about this. In this case, if it's, um, I'll give you uh, um, uh, an example here. I won't say the church or the pastor or those involved, okay? Because that's between what's going on there and God. Mm. Um, This one church has been recently under severe attack. And um, it faced um, a schism, a very bad one, because of this one couple that had been saying things um, um, behind the pastor's back and also saying things that you wouldn't find in the Bible. 
problem was those who were um, in the Sunday school didn't know their Bible well enough to discover that what they were saying wasn't true according to the Word of God. And because of this, because, you know, and afterwards, a number of people had stated that something didn't sound right. Something sounded funny to them. But the problem was no one bothered to see if it was in the Bible or not. Oh, yeah, it sounded funny. It sounded maybe even wrong, but not one of them. And they admitted that, yeah, we, you know, we didn't look it up. Well, that's wow. the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, and, you know, not, Doc, one of the things, yes. you know, the Bible also says um, to these people, touch not my anointed, do my prophet no harm. You know, God is no man's debtor. He will repay. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. So, you know, yes. people that are going around and doing this and think they're getting away, it's not, they're not getting away. God's hand isn't shortened by no means. Right. And so, you see, because these people did the sixth step, they challenged the Word of God and they started changing it. No one um, checked on these things, and so it creeped in. Eventually, what has happened? Now, as it says, this um, particular church was um, on the edge of facing a very bad schism. But someone finally said something to the pastor. And I know this pastor personally. He's a good friend of mine. We talked about um, these things long and hard afterwards. And, um, well, fortunately, um, they were able to get back, backtrack everything to who finally was saying what, when, where, and all this. And when that couple was confronted, um, it was eventually discovered that basically they were trying to get rid of the pastor so they themselves could put themselves in authority over that church. Wow. Yeah. And, and so they're doing You know, get rid of And see, this is, um, again, this is where we get to the seventh part, where you um, challenge the leadership and um, where they're um, trying to steer the church. In other words, don't accept anything they say. They they're just in it for themselves. Mm. Those and are the see, ones. This, those are the ones that are not of the Lord at all. Period. Well, that's that's just it. You see, they prey on the young and the innocent. These people don't know their Bibles, so they're easily victimized. This is why um, the elders of a church need to um, help the pastor to make sure that um, the young are being properly fed and nurtured with the Word of God. It isn't just the pastor's responsibility. It actually comes down to every single one of us. Absolutely right. The Bible says that when the apostles gather themselves together at these meetings with new Christians or others and such, it completely pointed out it wasn't just the apostles. It was everyone that, um, oh, what's the exact word? And that they all had things in common, all these things in common. This is what we need to do. We can't just let the pastors take on the whole of the burden of the responsibilities. Uh, no. Pastors are the spiritual shepherd. 
they are supposed to guide us with the word of God, but we, those people who, shall we say, are considered elders in the church, need to also take up that um, heavy burden so that the pastor can, you know, attend to other things also. Because we are supposed to be working together as one big family, one unit. We're supposed to be helping each other. And this is why the elders... The older Christians, the ones who have proven their stripes, need to get in there and help the pastor, you know, make sure that these people are receiving a proper spiritual Christian education. And while I'm on my soapbox, folks, let me add this. The pastor is not supposed to be the only one who's trying to um, maintain the upkeep of a church building. Everyone needs to be there. One man can't do it by himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. I mean, how difficult is it to go in there um, with a couple friends and, you know, get some rags and um, furniture polish and dust the place or to vacuum it or to clean this or to clean that, maybe do the windows, cut the um, um, mow, mow the lawn, I should say, you know, um, check the building. It doesn't need a new coat of paint. I mean, the pastor can't do all this by himself, people. If you're going to take, you better learn how to give. Okay, I'm off the soapbox. So, Doug, here it goes, right? So we, we talked about some of the uh, historical facts going on there, and we talked about the church and everything. But, you know, there's a lot of people that don't believe in an Illuminati. They don't believe they don't that have it to. I would or any else's you know? would. You can look into the court records of Germany. The records from um, the trials of the Order of the Illuminati in 1785 are in existence. Mm. Um, look, on, look under um, the, the Elector of Bavaria. Uh, let me explain this. An elector. Now, I'm from Europe. You know, I'm from England. Um, an elector in Germany is the highest-ranking member of nobility outside of the monarch himself. That person acts as the... Um, chief justice of that entire area, whoever it may be. Now, in this case, the elector of Bavaria, where the trial was held, was Duke Karl Theodore. Just look under him. Um, Check for the um, trial records of um, the Illuminati. That would have been um, um, 85, well, 1785, 1786. The records are in existence. And there's absolutely no doubt of the existence of the Illuminati. They were brought to trial. People can say it doesn't exist. Guess what? It does. George Washington, in his own writings, when he was writing back and forth to, um, I think it was this one pastor. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, He himself said he did not doubt for one instance that the Illuminati had already infiltrated America. He said, I am, of all people, most convinced. (laughs) Now, this was your first president. And there are others. Um, John Adams knew of them. Um, Thomas Jefferson was one of them. Um, Benjamin Franklin was in them. Um, Then there was professors from Harvard and Yale who warned their graduating classes about the infiltration of the Illuminati. 
There are pastors who are preaching from the pulpit warning about this. You have some of the highest, the most greatest known statesmen in existence, such as Winston Churchill, who warned about, you know, that the um, Bolshevik Revolution, um, in which Tsar Nicholas II was deposed and eventually killed by um, Nikolai Lenin and his gang, um, that all this was done by the order of the Illuminati. You have an, a 1953, <coughs> excuse me, Californian um, Education Committee report that clearly points out of the infiltration of the Illuminati. Wow. You've got wow. generations of people, um, yep. presidents, um, statesmen, um, name it, who've warned generation after generation and have stated and shown the infiltration of the Illuminati, not just into American society, but also into global society. Mm. The so, evidence so, is overwhelming. Mm. As I said, you don't have to take my word. Check, you know, if you want to, even the German um, court files. They existed. Mm. They were definitely put on trial. Yeah. So, so what was your um, experience um, being inside of this and you don't get to saved by Jesus. Mm. Uh, um, no. Say that one more time. Your your volume's a little low for me. Oh, I'm sorry. What was your experience um, being inside of this organization and being saved by Jesus Christ afterwards? Now that's a very long story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why don't you just have asked me to write a trilogy? I could write that quicker. Um, <laughs> but you see, I was born into it. You know, this was not, you know, base, this is not a choice. This was, you know, you um, just like any other family in America, you're born into it, and whatever religion they're practicing, you usually right. end up practicing yourself. It was the same thing with me, except I was a seventh-generation Illuminati witch. You see, my family ties go all the way back to 1789 in this. Mm. So when I was three years old, I was dedicated to the cause of Lucifer, now, this is nothing unusual because um, if you go to, you know, like various churches, you know, or, you know, synagogues, well, I know in the Catholic Church, definitely, they will bring their kids to, you know, um, their churches and offer their kids up to God in service, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the same thing in the Order of the Illuminati, except they're dedicating their children to Lucifer. Mm. Right. Wow. So for yeah. the next 10 years, I was put into what's known as the outer court. Now, the outer court, as I've always explained it, is best understood as the Illuminati's version of a seminary. You're taught all the rites, the rituals, um, high magic, low magic, the Sabbath, the Etzbeth, um astrology, alchemy, um, human sacrifice, how to practice human sacrifice. I mean, name it, this is where you're taught it for 10 years. And this is, this is just how they do it in the Illuminati. So by the time you're 13 years old, you'll be brought to your initiation ceremony. Usually takes an hour and a half, two hours, and um, at the end of that ceremony, um, the high priest... Um, Who's, who's known as a master witch. He's a third-level witch in the order of the Illuminati. Um, we'll have three things put on the altar. 
The first thing that will be put on the altar is known as the Book of the Dead. The Book of the Dead is made out of lamb tide, and in, um, and in that book is where you're going to sign your new occult name. Now, wow. um, the second thing that's brought forth is um, um, a quote feather, and after that you will see um, a silver knife that's called Athame. The high priest, after invoking one of the lesser demons, will slice your arm open. You will take that feather, dip it in your own blood, and you will sign your new occult name in the Book of the Dead. Once that's dead, um, once that's done, you're a fully initiated first-level Illuminati witch, or what's also known as a Druid priest. <laughs> wow. So this is, <laughs> goes back to a lot of stuff wow. we talked about last year, huh? Rory? Yeah, wow. Well, you wanted the long and short of this. I'm giving you the long version. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, people need to know well, that this is real. Now, in my... <laughs> people don't think this is real. They better start looking at the court cases that's happened in America and look at all the crimes that's been done in the name of um, these various um, pagan religions. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I could I could name so many different names, and... It's just a shame that um, the Christian church hasn't been there to stop yeah. any of these things from happening. Because these people yeah. aren't stopping themselves. I mean, I can't de- I mean, I- think about this for a second, guys. When mm-hmm. was the last time, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but I want you to think about this for a second. When was the last time either one of you witness to a Satanist or to a witch. Let's just use those two groups. Do I think mm-hmm. one of you remember the last time you did that? Nope. 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 Well, I, I, I spoke to one out in Seattle. I, um, I spoke to one out in Seattle. This was probably about seven or eight months ago. However, um, and okay. she, was very, uh, she was very clear in, in, in what she was doing. Okay, you spoke to her. My question yeah. is, when was the last time you witnessed her one? Did you witness to her? No, I didn't witness. I didn't I didn't witness. I, I just um we I said I followed Jesus Christ, but I, we didn't go any deeper. She didn't want to go any deeper. Well you see, that's where you made your first mistake. Mhm. You know? You know, you know, and this is what amazes me. Christians don't know how to witness to people, right? Now, let let me ask you this. Would you witness to, let's say, a Catholic the same way you would witness to a Mormon? No. 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 The, the reason's obvious, because they're two different religions. You mm-hmm. have to speak a language that they understand, correct? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Same thing here with any of the occult religions. There's eight major ones in America. Technically, I could say around the world, but I could break it down to, you know, dozens upon dozens, and it, but it really wouldn't matter. The point being, um, your first mistake was not understanding um, how to speak to a right. You don't throw out Jesus Christ at first. That's going to be a major turnoff right there. Okay. The first thing you should have done was, um, and, and you, you did it. But you, um, but then you added Christ too quickly. Um, the first thing I tell everyone to do when you're going to witness any any one of the occult is shut up. Hmm. 
you're not there to um, to speak. You're there to listen and learn. You want to see what this person believes and what they understand is the truth. Before before you learn that, you can't properly witness to them. Um, so let's say this person's a practicing witch. The next thing you should have said, okay, what do you believe in? Tell me. I mean, since I've never been a witch, why would you please tell me, as a witch, what do you believe in? Get to know them. Build a relationship with them. Now, mm. if you don't have time to hear the entire thing, be polite about it and say, you know, of course, you've got to leave, but can we continue this next week at this place, this, you know, whatever. You know, I'll buy you coffee, I'll buy you lunch, whatever. Just let me know, you know, can we just continue this, you know, next week or whenever. Okay, I guarantee you, 99 out of 100 of them are going to show up next week because they have very few people who want to hear what they have to say. Mm. Yeah. We're too busy carrying a 10-ton black Bible to beat them over the head with, that we forget that. Hey, guess what? They want to be listened to also. So why aren't we listening to them? Sort of like meeting them where they're at? Well, yeah, that's what you have to do. Before you can properly witness to them, you have to know what they believe in, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. But listen to them. That's why I say the first thing you should do is shut up. You're there to listen and learn. Now, after, let's say this may take two weeks, three weeks, maybe even a month, you haven't wasted your time because when that person has said all that they've wanted to about what they believe in and all this, they've gotten to know you, you've gotten to know them for two, three, four weeks. That's when you politely ask them. Now, can I share with you um, my truth, what I believe in? You know, and that's mm-hmm. when you don't get preachy. You're not there to witness yet. You are, but it's not that time yet. You're there to share what you think is the truth. You see what I'm saying here? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You yeah. ha- you're developing a relationship here and a process with this person that if you take it in the proper steps, you're going to get to that position to where you'll be able to witness to them without them saying, no, I'm not interested, no, I don't want to hear it. They will want to hear what you have to say because you have given them that respect. You've given them that time. You've given them the chance to say what they want to say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Now, doesn't mean they're going to get saved overnight. Let me tell you a true story of this one pastor I knew. My goodness, I really must be getting old. I know more stories than I know what to do with. <laughs> oh, well, a true story. This one pastor um, was witnessing on Saturdays. Um, and there was this one house. <laughs> Excuse me. He would always stop that. And the first time he did it, the lady just blew him off and just slammed the door in his face. 
And trust me, I know what that feels like. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. place I've had more doors slammed in my face than I know what to do with. But anyway, so the pastor went there the next week, and the lady just told him off and slammed the door. Yeah. On the 49th try. No. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. On the 50th try. Yeah, because it was almost a full year at this point. 50th try. The lady saw him, and and before she cussed him out <laughs> or slammed the door in his face, she said, listen, I am tired of you showing up here. If I let you in and say what you got to say this time, will you leave me alone from here on in? And the pastor just said yes. So she let him in. Now, remember, this is... Number 15, the pastor um, left, she got saved. Mm. Now, afterwards, one of the members of his congregation asked the pastor, why did you witness to that lady 50 times? And the pastor told them, because 49 was not enough. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you see, the truth of the matter is, this is what you're facing when you're going to witness to a cultist. As I just stated, they're not just—they're not always going to get saved on the first time. After you said your truth, maybe they will um, be in the mood for you to go further and witness to them. Maybe they won't be. In any case, I always tell everyone: don't expect them always to get saved on the first try. It, doesn't always happen. Okay. Mm. You know, yeah. so you have to be very patient, very loving with these people in the occult because most of those people, and this is going to be an eye-opener for you folks, most of those people who end up in the occult were because Christians rejected them to begin with. Mm. Wow. These people were different. They were the outsiders. They were the oddballs. And if they can't get their spiritual fix in a Christian church, they're going to find it somewhere else. Yeah. You see, man inherently has a part of him that has a need um, to have a spiritual core. You see, without that in a human being, there is a void. And God's creation does not like a void. It will fill it in one way or the other. Think of like a big hole in the ground. You can ignore it for years, but I guarantee you, it will fill itself up. And it's the mm-hmm. same thing with us, spiritually speaking. Our, our creation, our spiritual part of us does not like the void. And if we do not fill it with um, God's word and Christianity, it's going to find a way to fill it up. It will fill it up with Satanism, witchcraft, polymer, yumbo, whatever, if it has yeah. to. But it will fill itself up. It's that inherent spiritual need because we are spiritual creatures. Right. So what was it like? How did, how did you get saved out of this organization? Okay, did... I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest condensed version. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was in the United States Army at the time, um during um, the 70s. You see, during the um, oh, mid-60s to throughout most of the 70s, 
the Illuminati have been trying to infiltrate um, the four branches of the United States uh, military and getting their own people sent in under chaplain status. You know, because you obviously can't say, hi, we're in the Illuminati, you know, we're going to do this and that. No, no, no. Try to get them in recruited under a religious status, okay? But back then, <laughs> they were going to buy that for anything. So what the Illuminati decided to do, they were going to send in their people anyway. And they did. Hundreds and thousands of younger people in the Illuminati were sent in to infiltrate those four branches. And we had a three-pronged attack. The first part, um, it didn't matter which base we went to. We were to set up a fully operative coven at every single base. Second part. Recruit key members of that military branch into your coven because whatever they had access to, you now had access to. Mm. And the third part was to guarantee that every single major occult religion would receive federal recognition and status. And for those of you who doubt that, um, let me check my memory. Um, Look at the April 1978 edition of the um, Army Chaplain's Handbook on Religious Requirements, and you will find listed for the very first time major occult religions are listed in it. Witchcraft, Satanism, how they practice, what they practice, their high days, their holy days, their instruments, their burial rites, everything. Yeah. Why? Because unfortunately... Me and the others who went in to do this from the Illuminati, we were too good at what we wanted to do. Mm. As it says, you don't wow. have to take my word for it. Find that um, religious book and, um, on religious requirements. It's there. It. Well, anyway. Yeah. I'm sorry? No, I was going to say that we see the fruits of that now with um, the, uh, openly practicing witchcraft in a lot of military Oh, sources. yeah, there was so much trouble yes. in the in the various branches because um, um, we made sure that these religions had received federal recognition and status. They could not be denied anymore. They get the same tax exemption as a Christian religion. You know? Well, well. <laughs> well anyway, so um, when I was in the... Um, I was, let me see, this would have been at Fort Lewis, Washington. That's right. That was back then. That was, let me think, that was right around... 76, right, the summer of 76. I was going down to the um, PX. I needed to pick up some supplies, you see. I was in the um, medical profession. And, um, well, I'm going to the PX. I'm minding my own business. And um, this colleague of mine, no one I really knew of, just, you know, someone you ran into every now and then, um, you know, in in my medical profession. Um, He walked up to me and struck up a conversation. And about five, ten minutes later, he had to leave. But <laughs> right before he left, he asked me what God was the silliest question under God's earth. He asked me if I wanted to go to church with him on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to tell you the exact words I said, but the answer was no. Mm. Well, anyways. For the next three years, and I am not kidding when I say this, um, a domino effect had started, and I was living the next three years of the worst hell you could imagine. 
No matter uh, where I went, no matter how far I went, and I went all the way to Germany, there was some born again Christian just waiting in the rafters to witness to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I went through three years of my own personal hell. But at the end of those three years, I finally understood what I was doing in light of what the Christians were telling me all along. So it was on April 15, 1979. I will never forget the date. And I admit it, I walked into this Christian church as a sold-out slave of Satan. But on that same day, I left as a born-again child of the king. Amen. And I have been fighting against the Illuminati, all their plans, their creation for a new world order for almost 38 years now. Wow. Wow. You know, the question is going to come up because there's all sorts of different stories about the Illuminati and, you know, how organizations they run and, and all these other things, right? So the question is going to come up, why aren't you dead? Because God's bigger than them. Good answer. <laughs> you know, think Good about answer. this for a second. Let's say right now the split second of time you and I are living in is point A. Mm-hmm. And somewhere down the road is point B where I'm going to die either a natural death, a supernatural death, or maybe I'll be raptured. Mm-hmm. Now, in either case, no matter how powerful Lucifer or the Illuminati may believe they think they are, they cannot alter what God has foreseen by one second more or less. So I'm going to leave God's time and no one else's. Amen. That's Absolutely. comes down to. God simply is not done using me. Now, quite honestly, I think he's got so much better material he could work with. I mean, I am just a miserable, poor, blind, naked, and wretched sinner here. And why? Why he's chosen me, I don't know. Mm. But as long as I'm alive, I'm going to say the most high living God. Amen. Amen. Because, yes. you, you know, uh, people sometimes, you know, they ask us, why Why we do what we do? Why are we trying to expose all these things and and um, put it out? You know, why is it it's, it's just to get people saved, you know, to, to, to see that there's... The numbers came now. That's what it down to. I hate to put it to this way, everyone, mm-hmm. but it's coming yeah. down to the numbers. For the last five mm-hmm. years... Haven't we all been sensing that there's something in the air? There's something coming, but we can't quite put our fingers on it. Absolutely. Whatever it is, it's something big. It's going to change everything. Right. I think it's a rapture. I can't swear to it, and I'm not going to date set. Let other people do that. Let them answer to God for that one. I've got enough sins of my own. But there's something happening. I think it's going to be the rapture. Now, if that's the case, we've got very little time left. Now, Now, let's be reasonable. Either we're going to win the numbers to God or Satan's going to take them to hell. Sure, absolutely. That's what it comes down to. I hate to put it that way, but it's numbers now. We either win them or we lose them. And God forgive all those ladies that say Christians 
who don't care enough to get off their blessed assurances and do something about it. Amen. And we see this this giant spider web of different things going on, and it's hard to point out everything. But when we when we think about it all, you know, it, it gets it gets complex, but then it gets simple. Because what I see forming in front of us is a giant socialist, communist world agenda on the state on the Satan Lucifer. You know, and well, not I, I, yeah. communist. Well, they. Um, point it towards fascism. I'll explain later, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. go towards that. Not communist, go towards fascism, okay? Okay. All right. Finish what you were going to say, please. Well, what I was going to say, I, I agree totally with what, what you're saying and what, what Chris is saying. We are seeing this enormous, like, a dragnet, spiritual dragnet that's that's there, that's out there. And you can see the malaise that's happening in society more so than ever before, where people are just doing their own thing, and and, and you can you know, feel God, it in well, your spirit. God will give me later or something, or uh, or I can get saved later or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, go with what you're saying there. Um. Do you know? <clears throat> And I've said this ever since he became the president, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. is one of the biggest blessings that will be given in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. The reason is, now I know for a fact, because I know the correct people, Donald Trump actually did get saved a couple months ago. He really yeah, did. I heard that. Yeah, I heard well, that. it's quite mm-hmm. good, but, you know, um, because I wanted to make sure I heard it from the right people. I really mm-hmm. did. I mean, because this was going to affect more things than most Christians realize. But I've been assured he definitely got saved, and they tested him to make sure. Well, anyway, Don. Well, I know I would have. Um, wow. Donald Trump is definitely going to be the biggest blessing of all of our lifetimes because isn't it interesting that now of all time, when you and I have been feeling something in the air for the last five years, all of a sudden, this wild card brings yes. up and becomes a president who happens to be a born-again Christian. Mm. Now, think about this. For the next four to eight years, because he's not Obama and um, wants to slam down anyone who dares say the word Christian, let alone Christianity or Christ, mm. we're going to have the freedom as children of God, to stand up and finally make a difference. Now, this is going to last for the next four to eight years. You're no longer going to be able to see um, these people get away with murder and say, oh, well, he's slamming me because he's a Christian, and then he's thrown in jail. No, 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 that's not going to happen here. For the next 48 years, we're definitely, we've been given a reprieval from God to stand up and make a difference as his children, wow. as feminine. But it could even be longer. Mike Pence, his vice president, is a hardcore born-again Christian. There's no doubting that. Yeah. Wow. Then, Mike Pence, um, like most other vice presidents, become the next vice, become the next president. Then this 
Trump's approval could last not just four to eight years, but possibly four to 16 years. Mm. Wow. This is why we as born-again Christians must obey God's um, word when he instructed us to pray for those who have the leadership over us. Wow. We must pray that the Holy Spirit leads Donald Trump to making the best and the wisest decisions for America. And we must keep this up. Amen. We are to keep America and her people safe and sound. <clears throat> because let's face it, there's a lot of mean people out there who want to take away God's blessing from us and for what he's given us through America. So people true. have no idea just how blessed they really are because you and I <laughs> could have been born in Somalia or mm-hmm. Iran or Iraq or Syria or any other nation that's under such oppression. America is purposely, <coughs> excuse me, blessed of God because in any battle, be it physical or spiritual, there's a headquarters somewhere, correct? Right. In this battle, America is the headquarters. And it's from headquarters mm-hmm. that orders go out, soldiers go out, and they fight the battle. Mm-hmm. This is why America is so blessed of God Because we've been given all the resources To reach the entire world And yet we won't even Extend our hand in friendship Let alone witness to our next door neighbors mm-hmm. That's true People wonder why God isn't blessing us I mean my <laughs> goodness sakes I hear it all the time I want to be used of God I want to be blessed of God well, how can God use or bless anyone if they're living like Satan? Hmm. How can they? You can't be double-minded. You've got to either serve God or mammon. It's got to be one or the other. Hmm. Yeah. And if you are that fence walker... As um, Revelation chapter 3 states of Laodicean Christians, where you're lukewarm, guess what? God can't use you. Mm. He can't be blessed to use God if he can't even use you. Mm. We've got to get our own clothes clean and fixed before God can use us. I'm not saying... Because uh, I would never ask this of any Christian, because God would never ask this. I'm not asking for anyone to be perfect, but I am asking everyone to try to do something for the Lord here. Yeah. Amen. I mean, He was willing to do everything for us, including die. Amen. You know, it's up to us, the children of God, to take advantage of this next four to six. Years while we still have this wonderful window of opportunity. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. After this opportunity is gone, I guarantee you there's not going to be another one ever. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Especially with the way things are going. Yeah, Doc, we never spoke before. And, you know, I I just got to have, or let people know. We never spoke about any of this. 
prior to this radio show. No. No, but Chris and I spoke, and we felt the same thing in our spirit. I remember Chris saying to me, you know, now we have been, we have been given the reprieve. We have a little bit more time. We have to spread the word of God. We have to share with people that Jesus Christ is coming back, and they need to know him intimately for themselves. And this Amen. is what we have. I don't know the time, the time frame. Like you said, radio shows like yours and others are so vital during this period of time. We've got a means to get the truth out there. We've got the message. We've got the word. You folks have got to continue no matter what because souls are hanging in the balance. As I said, it's a numbers thing. So we've got to keep continuing to put the truth out there through this radio show and others and whatever means we can while we've got this wonderful window of opportunity left. Amen. Yeah. I agree totally. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and so <clears throat> we see we see so so many signs um uh, of the end not the final end, but you know the the, the the old thing coming to a close. We have the birth you know, Israel is yeah the birth time. We see Israel over there. They want to build the new temple. We see well, the preparation okay. for now, that. Hold on a second. That's um one of the major things. The um, I finished um a, a number of new DVDs. One of them was called How Close Are We? Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it's about you know the next um, rapture, the last one. How close are mm-hmm. we to it? And um, we start um, using the first major um, prophetical sign, the big one. Obviously, that's Israel coming back as a sovereign nation, as it was promised in God's prophecy. You know, we find that, what, Matthew um, 24, Luke 12, I believe it's um, Mark 12 also. We find that the budding of the fig tree um, and the fig tree always being symbolically speaking of Israel, that when her leaves come forth, um, she will be nigh, she will be near. And as the promise went, it was May 14th, 1948, Israel became a sovereign nation again. Yeah. Now, these are the, you know, the big signs, you know, like, um, and the rest of it, you know, we're told, you know, we're told that there will be, um, oh, what is it? Um, you will see kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation. You will hear wars, famines, pestilence, things like this. Now, those are the big signs, but, you know, there are pre-signs, things that were supposed to happen before. Because if we read the scriptures carefully, we find out after that it says, but before these things. Okay, what's before these things? And that's what. And that's what. That um. Was that? What, what was it? One of my new DVDs. That's what it was based on. What are these things? We're supposed to be mm. looking for. Yeah. Because they're in the Bible, but we're just not reading it. And by looking at what I call the pre-signs, it will tell us how close we are to the rapture. We we know what the big signs say. But what are the pre-signs telling us? That, that's when we get into the nitty-gritty details of it all. And the interesting part about it is when you look at these things, again, you see history repeating itself. How many times have you two already, you might have seen it in a newspaper or on a video or heard something about it, about how rivers and lakes and such around the world are turning into blood? 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, now wait a second. That's something you find in the Bible. You don't find that nowadays. Absolutely. As it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. Yeah. And what about these great swarms of locusts that are appearing out of nowhere? One just, I think it was last summer, that hit um, um, the outer skirts of Israel, and there was something like over a million plus in the swarm. Wow. Wow. And then about... What about the great plagues of um, frogs that's been hitting Asia? <laughs> and aren't we, weren't we also warned about um, um, in the Bible about these great earthquakes, um, yeah. um, um, volcanoes? It didn't say volcanoes. We believe that's what it's referencing. Mm. Um, we also hear about... Um, um, all these um, plagues that seem to come straight from the events when Moses confronted Pharaoh Ramses II. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Something's going on here because these events are repeating themselves now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. is this one of those pre-signs we were warned about? Absolutely. You know, and that's what this new DVD was all about. It's called, um, um, okay, I'm having a memory. Hold on. Well, you know what? You know what? It's called How Close Are We? That's it. Okay. <laughs> what do I know? I only wrote it. Doc. One second. You can also give them the, your your website information too. Oh, oh, okay. You want me to put that out? Okay. Um, let me think. Um, I can do this. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have a business out here somewhere. Um, no, it's uh, my website. You've got to put in the usual www dot stuff. Now the rest of this is going to be all lowercase, no apostrophes. This is you know case sensitive. So after that, put in. It's a God Thing Productions. That's with an S. It's a God Thing Productions 777.com. Or you can find me on Facebook. Just put, uh, Facebook. Just put in Doc Marquis or put in Joseph Marquis. I have to use another name because they don't allow you to have two or three different sites while using the same name. So. Don't worry about that, you know, but they're all mine. Doc Marquis, oh, that's right, Doc Marquis 777, or just use Doc Marquis or Joseph Marquis. Um, it, uh, my email, very easy, same thing, docmarquis777 at yahoo.com. Or if you want to try to call me, call me anytime after 12, because then I'm finished answering, you know, the, the daily email. I usually get a little bit more than 300 every day. So, you know, I don't get to do any of my real work till after 12. Um, just call me at 402-228-9476. Now, that's 402-228-9476. And um, if you can't remember all that, just talk to Warrior Chris. I'm sure they'll remind you about it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Absolutely. Uh, so, so we, we have... Um, 43 minutes left, but I know we, we, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to, that we could ex- expound upon. But um, give, give people um, 
a, I guess, a short version of what this new world order uh, will look like or what we're trying to do because we know about the, the um, environmental movement. We know about the, the United Nations, the Council on Foreign Relations, and so many different organizations. Um, just give them, from your understanding, what all these things mean and, and you know, how it's going to come about. Well, you see, after World War One, the world became a much smaller place. You know, we had the advent of um, airplanes and such at that point, and eventually, um, between that and World War Two, I mean, we had you know airline um, travel and things were a lot easier. And the Illuminati was well aware of these things. And in order to keep their plans and their goals perpetuated, they set up and created certain front organizations. The first one being the Royal Institute of International Affairs. It's located in London, um, and that was back in 1917. After that, they created a sister, found, a, a sister organization, but it was for America. That mm. one was called the Council on Foreign Relations. Mm. Then after that, you've got um, the United Nations, the Bilderbergs, um, the Trilateral Commission, and um, let, me, uh, oh, let me just think. I'm not sure if I said all of them or not. I think um, roundtable. Well, well, there's six of them. The Trilateral Commission. Okay. And um, it's through these organizations that they um, established that they literally, their plans literally are constantly moving in a never-ending process. If you compare the membership, every single one of group to the other, you'll find that they're interconnected. Right. There's no wow. doubt of it. And um, if you really want to get into, um, get into this, um, look at the topic of discussion that they're having, and they're all discussing the same thing. I wrote a DVD on that, and it's called Frontmen of the Illuminati. And um, there's, I mean, when you look at the evidence, there's absolutely no doubt. Not only are they interconnected, but that they were definitely created by the Illuminati, and that their plans for the New World Order is consistently and constantly perpetuated on a global scale now. Think about the internationalists that meet regularly at the Bohemian Grove. If this wasn't a global agenda, then you wouldn't have people from around the world attending this Illuminati summer camp for two and three weeks um, during the summer. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. also so it's, the Illuminati um, week is normally around the summer solstice, correct? Oh, you know, you mean when the um, Bohemian Grove meet? Yes. No. No. See, the summer solstice begins on June 21st. And um, sometimes they're there before that and sometimes after. And okay. if there was any occult significance, it would be exactly on the date. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got you. Trust mm-hmm. me, they're very, very precise. Mm-hmm. Okay. You heard the people. You're hearing it. So you can't doubt that this this is not reality. But but keep going, Mr. Marquis. 
Uh, okay, I'm I'm losing you. It's a bit difficult to hear you again. That's Chris, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's either you that's a little too low, or the volume busted <laughs> on your phone. <laughs> Move closer to the mic. Okay. Yeah, I was just saying that you know people out there need to understand that this is real. We're hearing you know things that you 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 can, you can get this from so many different places, but to hear from someone someone that was actually in it, it, it gives it more credibility and. You know, I just want you to continue on, on the path that you're on right now. Um, well, what were we talking about? We're talking about how they're going to form the New World Order, what it would look like, how it well, would come uh, well, um, yeah, Well, the interesting thing is you can actually find most of what I'm about to say in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Remember, as I said before, that the whole premise behind creating a New World Order is um, to, um, at the end goal, is to hand it over to the Antichrist. Yeah. You know, let me okay. Let me explain it this way. Um, from the Illuminati's perspective, now this is from their perspective. Now, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is true, but I'm saying this is their perspective. They believe that in the beginning, Lucifer was equal to God in all things. However, as the millenniums rolled on, it was God who became jealous of Lucifer's equality and had him and his followers thrown out of heaven. And that right now, the Illuminati are convinced that they're summoning up enough of the force to where at the Battle of Armageddon, they're going to kill God and the Holy Spirit and put Lucifer on the throne where they feel he rightfully belongs. And right now, Christ is supposed to be chained to a huge boulder in hell because it betrayed the cause. Wow. Wow. That's how they see it. You see, it comes down to perspective. We know God is running everything as it should be. They feel they've been ripped off, and Lucifer should be running everything. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to who's going to be the ruler, who's right. And since Satan, in the very beginning, after the Great War, when he was cast down to heaven, cast out of heaven, and thrown onto the earth. Well, if he couldn't take heaven, he was going to take earth. And that's why he had the um, fallen angels, a.k.a. the demons, mate with female human beings to create the hybrid race known as giants. He was going to create, he did create, I should say, the very first genetic experiment by mingling the DNA strands with a human being. Mm, and right. the reason he did this was because he was going to keep the earth and he needed an army to do so. Mm. And this is what it's coming down to again. The battle isn't over. It yeah. never has been, not yet. It's going to come down to um, the tribulation period. Remember, during the tribulation period, this unknown Antichrist figure is going to have absolute authority over the earth for seven years. Yeah. Now, after that, the battle is, is on again. It still is on, but it hasn't ended. But it will end at the Battle of Armageddon. The hmm. New World Order is based on this entire premise. One, a one global dictator under a one world religion, under a one world um, monetary system. Hmm. And this is what the whole... Of what they've been doing is based on. They've got to take control 
of absolutely everything so that their final plans for the big showdown at Armageddon goes their way. They're convinced that if they pull the entire resources of the earth together, they can defeat God and his forces. That's why they've been Mm. trying to take everything. That's the reasoning behind it. That's why the New World Order. Mm. And I hope I made sense here because this is not... It makes sense because, you know, some of what you're saying, I, I hear that teaching from Gnosticism, um, you know, to flip all the things. Yeah, it, it, everything's flipped upside down. We see that in society now. Everything's flipped upside down. Um, we see it in our in our entertainment. Um, t- entertainment is flooded with Gnosticism. Um, and then you talk about that. Well, I wouldn't say Gnosticism because, mm-hmm. remember, Gnostics believe that, well, they don't believe in God, but they believe in enough of God just in case. Oh, okay. All that's right. a Gnostic. Yeah. yeah you're, you're Gnostics, you're agnostics, that's the way they've always been. Mm-hmm. They don't acknowledge really that there's one big God and all this, but on the other hand, they also believe in enough of God just in case. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go into the, the, the genetic experiments. We see human have animal oh, uh, hybrids about the No, 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 no. Thing. You don't see them. You have not seen an animal and a human being cross. Well, we, we, we hear about the experiments going on. You hear these. Mm. There's a difference. Now, yeah. as far as trying to create spice and dice, human, I mean, let's say make a minotaur, mm-hmm. a half man, a half bull, according to the ancient legends, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Mm. And, and let me tell you two reasons why. First of all, because of my medical background. Let me explain something here. Um, <coughs> the genetic components of a human construct, the human body, is vastly different than, let's say, that of, um, well, in this case, a minotaur, or a minotaur, as we say in England, is vastly different than that of a bull. You cannot mingle them. I believe it's um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, someone looked this up for me, um, where it says, all flesh is not the same. The flesh of birds are different. The flesh of the fish are different. The flesh of men is different. And it keeps listing other things that are different. And then it goes on and says, and so is the body. And so is the glorified body. These are all different. You cannot cross them and expect anything to survive. Now, Mm. we do have, medically speaking, suppressants that would allow some of this to work for a certain time. Mm. And I do mm-hmm. say suppressant because you know, you ever notice how um, the body um, rejects things normally that it, that doesn't Absolutely. belong there? Right. Right. We do have medicines that will suppress this and allow the organ, the organism, or whatever it is to stay there. But you cannot do this type of humongous um, genetic um Frustrating, expected to work. It is not going to. Now, I've had people try to convince me that through some sort of RFID chip that they're going to introduce into the human body, that they're going to change every cell in our body and 
um, were somehow going to end up by chimeras or Lord knows what else to be, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, let me explain something again, medically speaking. <clears throat> Have you any idea how many cells there are in the human body? Millions? That's good just a guess. Good answer. That's a good answer. Um, the total amount in the human body. Now, whoever said no, that was a very good answer. Um, <laughs> there are approximately, in the human construct, 20 trillion cells. Wow. Now, I want you to think about this a sec, for a second. Uh, how is one RFID chip going to change 20 trillion cells like that? Each one of them having the double helix code within it. Mm. How, how is that supposed to do it? It can't be done like that. The only one who could do something like that is God himself. And he mm. said in Genesis that they were created after their own kind. But I think these are, you know, when we look at, um, when we look at Psalms 2, and this is what I was talking about, Men are saying, let us cast their bands asunder. They're wanting to take the bands that God had put in place off. They're trying to remove the, the bands off to create the chimera, to create, to, uh, well, they're right. always talking about transhumanism. Right. You know? Well, I know what you're saying, but as I said, it cannot be done. Mm. Medically speaking, and also going by what the biblical pastors are telling us, it can't be done. Now, what right. has happened here, and let me explain to you how it's gotten this ludicrous, if you would. We know for a fact, Genesis chapter 6, that um, fallen angels, a.k.a. the demons, mated with female human beings and created um, the race of giants, correct? Yeah, correct. Now, um, let me explain one thing before I go further. Do either of you gentlemen know what biblical hermeneutics is? I can't remember the definition right now. Oh, my it's, it's very simple. Hermeneutics, or biblical hermeneutics, is based on whatever you're reading in the Bible, let's say whatever verse you're reading, you've got to mm-hmm. keep it in context. You cannot take right. it, um, you cannot say, you cannot add to it, I should say, and you can't take it away, away from it. It is right. what right. it is, get over it. That's biblical hermeneutics. <laughs> there is a way... Um, what are you chuckling about, Rory? I'm just <laughs> because you said just get over it, <laughs> but it's true. A lot of people take no, it out well. of context, and it needs to be it needs to be exactly what the Word of God says, and nothing it, more. Whatever it is, it is. Absolutely. And, and let me add this: I'll make you chuckle even further. Build a bridge and get over it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just how it is, folks. Now, absolutely, there was a. In um, Matthew chapter 24, mm-hmm. wait, 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 um, let me retract that. Um, you may have to look this up for me. Um, okay. Do you remember, you remember that verse in the Bible where it says, as it was in the days of Noah? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's another one. It says, as it was in the days of Lot. Do you remember mm-hmm. that one? Yeah. Yes. Now, the question is, what do those two things have in common? People are taking quantum leaps here and saying, oh, that's talking about the giants. Wait a second. Where in the verse did it say giants? 
Mm-hmm. Now, right before that verse where, where it says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be with the second coming of man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the, day, until the flood came and knew not till the flood came and took them all away. So shall it also be with the coming of the Son of Man. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what day nor what hour your Lord doth come. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, people, this was a question about the rapture. The verse right before it starts with, as it was in the days of Noah, the apostles were asking the Lord, when are you coming back? Yeah. That's what it was all about. When are you returning? When are you coming back? And he answered them, as it was in the days of Noah. You see, during the days of Noah and, well, the events of Noah and the events mm-hmm. of Lot were both raptures. That's mm-hmm. in, um, um, again, you'll find this in my, um, as I says, I, it's one of my three new DVDs. One of them is called also, um, Which Rapture Are We Waiting For? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a very clever title myself. <laughs> I know it was clever because that this I didn't come up with it. I'm sure I did it. Yeah. You know, that's why it was clever, trust me. But um yeah. yeah, you see, not once in any of those verses were they talking about giants. It was a rapture question. Right. It was not as I said. I just quoted all those verses. I think it's, uh, I want to say it was Matthew 24, but something tells me It is me Matthew wrong. 24. It is Matthew, Matthew 24. 24. You mean I got one right? Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. God, the old guy is still going. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, so you see, they asked the Lord, when are you returning? And that's when he said, as it was in the days of Noah. And in the other example, um, the Lord, was, um, Lord said, as it was in the days of flock. These were questions about when are you coming back? Nothing in it was about giants. But they're taking and breaking all the rules of biblical hermeneutics and saying, ah, but this is talking about giants. Mm. Are you absolutely mad? Mm. There's nothing there that talks about giants. So we know the Lord was not referencing that. Mm-hmm. We know that there were giants at one point, but when it came to the questions, what was found in Matthew 24 and in, and, and in the example of Lot, I think that's Luke 12, neither one of them were referencing giants. Yeah. Okay, so what was the Good original point. question? Because I completely got it. We were looking at transhumanism. Um, yeah. Oh, I know, I, I know, I know. Um, genetic manipulation, the splicing yeah, and splicing, right. remember? Yeah. Okay. So you see, um, it is not referencing um, that um, giants the are coming giants. back. There's nothing in the Bible, first of all, that says that there's going to be uh, a resurgence of giants. Nothing. Not even in the book of Revelation are giants mentioned once. And if you look at the last six chapters of the, of the book of Daniel, the last six chapters, um, 7 through 12, that, that's the prophetical chapters. Not even in that will you find any mention of giants, okay? 
Um, okay. Now, these experiments that they've been attempting will come to naught. You cannot mix the human genome with an animal inspected to work. Now, I do know that they've been taking um, organs out of the human body and trying to grow them in peace. Yes. yes. Okay. I, and if my choices are correct, you know, yes. I've even got pictures to show you of what they've done with these mice. Mm. Um, but um, they can grow these organs for a while with the suppressants, but, not, but they won't be able to do anything on any long-term basis, basis without it because God's creation, the way he put it all together, automatically rejects anything foreign um, to the system or to the body. Mm. So it's just not going to work like that. He, and as I said, there's nothing in the Bible that even speaks of chimeras. Now, it does talk in the book of Revelation about how five months people are going to be trying to kill themselves because these creatures that seem to have the tail of a scorpion, the, st- the stinger, um, mm-hmm. and um, these big gnarly teeth, and I think it's white hair, if I recall, that are co- being released from the bottomless pit so that they can torment people for five months. Mm. But that's not a chimera. That's not a chimera. That's some sort of demonic creature that was purposely locked away into the bottomless pit until um, the tribulation period where God could pour out his wrath upon a sinful earth. Yeah, I've always thought that. Wow. That, that that's what that was. People trying to make it sound like a helicopter or whatever, but I, I believe it's a demonic creature too. Well, it has to be because remember, there is an angel that is given a key by God to mm-hmm. open up the bottomless pit. It's very yeah. specific. That's where yes. these things come from. Is the bottomless pit? So it can't be a helicopter. Now I know <laughs> Al Lindsay wrote of that in his book. Um, Oh, what was that? It was a 1974 book, I think. Late Great Planet Earth. Earth. That's it. You know, but no, it's not a helicopter. It doesn't fit the biblical description. Mm. Yeah. You know, and again, um, let's not try to make it sound like it's a chimera because it's not thrown together like a chimera, let alone Mm -hmm. thrown together by human hands. No, this Hmm. is something that was locked away in the bottomless pit and could not be released until um, the key was used to open it. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I've got a lot of wonderful friends and colleagues out there who espouse this. Well, guess what? I disagree with them and they know it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, hey, I'd rather go by what the Word of God says than human being any day of the week. Amen. I agree totally. That's true. Yeah, I agree totally. You know, as I always tell everyone, if God was interested, was interested in my opinion, he would have wrote, wrote, um, written the book of Doc. So guess what? <laughs> He's not interested in my opinion. He wrote what he knew what um, we needed to know, and that's all there is to it, folks. And should that's I say, true. Rory, build a bridge and get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, Doc, while we were here talking, uh, we talked about a, a number of things. We talked about 
the history of the Illuminati. We talked about some of the things that they, they're pl- planning and plotting. What would you say to, to uh, uh, the young believer, those that are, are sitting on the fence, need to you know, get off? And I know that they need to get off the fence and get to know who Jesus Christ is. But what would you say to them, or even the person that, that might be searching or dabbling in, in this type of stuff? What would you say? They need inspiration. That's the problem. Inspiration mm-hmm. leads to motivation. And motivation will lead you to perspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what we need to do. We need to reach them with the word of God and teach them the way of God and show them what God says. Now, think of these new Christians as um, the Bible where it likens young people and says um, to teach them when they are young so that when they are old, um, the word does not depart from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what we must do with our young born-again Christians. We must treat them as those children. Teach them while they are young so that when they get older, the word does not depart from them. We must teach Amen. them properly. You know, Amen. by teaching them what the Word of God says and getting them to understand it from God's perspective, they will never go wrong. Amen. Amen. This is what we must do. And for those who have been saved for who knows how long and they're still not getting it right, they need the same thing. They, we need to take an eraser, just wipe the blackboard clean, and let's get in there and do some old-fashioned Bible teaching and preaching. Amen. 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 Yeah, this Amen. is what we have to do. We have I to educate ourselves. Remember, as the Bible says, they gathered themselves together and they had all things in common. This is what we've got to do again. We've got to gather the family members again and show them what the Bible says. Don't teach them um, what tradition says. My goodness, that one of the greatest damnations to the church is tradition. I mean, what is it? What is it? Colossians two fifteen, I think it says, um, and go not after the traditions of the men. Of men, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about this for a second, uh, and let me give you an example. Someone tried to tell me this the other day. I almost, I, I, I almost fell over laughing. Now, um, let me ask both of you questions, and you're not allowed to use your Bibles right now, so don't even try it. <laughs> By what numerical value? Did Noah bring the animals into the ark? By what number? Um, seven oh. of every clean animal and two of every unclean animal. Is, is that Chris? It's hard to hear. Yes. That's Chris. Yes. Seven of every clean animal and two of every unclean animal. You are the first people who got that one right off the bat. Okay. Most people say it's two by two. No. It's, it, that's because not. that's tradition. Tradition taught it was two by two. The Bible says it was seven plus two, which comes out to be what? Nine. Thank you very much. I was about to say, were you taught by Common Core? (laughs) (laughs) Nine of each. Nine. Uh, Seven clean and two unclean. That's the only thing that makes sense, because if there was only two, two of every animal, well, two giraffes get off the ark. They're walking down the highway. One falls and trips off um, the edge and dies. Well, there goes that species. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You have to have at least that many animals to perpetuate the species if it's going to last. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. do you know what the Bible meant when it says two clean, seven unclean? I mean, seven clean and two unclean? No. Ah, I don't like this one. It's Un- very easy. I'm sorry, Glory? Unclean meant that they were not to be, um, let me see, eaten by men. Or um, So you had no. like... Un- okay. No. So I'm wrong. No, because then that would apply... That that would automatically imply that those two which are unclean are different than the seven that are clean. They're the, okay. they're the same animal. No, what it okay. talks about those two that are unclean, they had little babies. Remember, according to Jewish okay. tradition, anything that spills blood is unclean <laughs> for a whole week. Those animals that um, were unclean had already babies, so they were considered unclean for a week. Everything else, they never had kids yet. Mm. That's it, straight and simple. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's not a hard one. I said that's a new revelation for me. No, that's a very old teaching. That's right there in the Bible. No. <laughs> Trust me, I've read it before. I even went to the end. I know who wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I even we know the Papa did it do it. I'm, <laughs> you know, but that's uh, what it's talking about. It's by nine. You know, mm. two clean, seven unclean. That's it. Wow. Yeah. These things are very simple if we just read our Bibles. Yeah. Tell me I'm old-fashioned. I think some of the old-fashioned ways are good. And I'm not talking about um, listening to these fuzzy-wuzzy sermons or the make-me-feel-good Bible or any of that nonsense. No, I'm talking about uh, let's get down to basics and read what the Bible has to say. I don't want to be fed with the make-me-feel-good Bible or the fuzzy-wuzzy things. No. I mean, think about this. When was the last time either one of you heard a good old-fashioned fire and brimstone message about Satan and sin? On, on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Well, well, the, the, the churches that me and Rory go to are pretty much that churches there. <laughs> you know? Exactly. What, what was that, the churches you go to what? Uh, pretty much those type of churches. We, right, we don't deviate from the Word of God. We don't deviate from the word of God. We, we preach the word of the living God. The word, okay, Jesus so Christ said, if men, if men, if my name be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And that's the Amen. only now, thing are you telling me both that can use, save uh, us. Um, thing? Huh? Are, both, are you folks telling me both of you are pastors? No, no, no. Um, no. <laughs> oh, okay. But you do attend a church where you're really hearing it the way it should be told. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, thank Absolutely. you. That I, that I can understand. Okay, yeah. that's good. Because the thing is, there's very few um, places like that anymore. True, true. true. And that's yeah. the problem. <clears throat> so we've got to keep um, not just the truth going, but also 
and even more importantly, the truth of the Word of God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. We try to we try to get that message out. No matter what we talk about on the show, we always try to tell people go and look in the Bible for yourself. See what it says. Let God lead you. But make sure and that it gives them the, um, the chapter and the verse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Definitely. Because yeah. you see, at one time I was a high school teacher, mm-hmm. and God okay. decided to call me away from that. Um, and at first it was going to break my heart because I love teaching. And mm. but God, no, but God, but God let me. Um, he, he assured me he was going to let me um, stay as a teacher. Mm. But he did not tell me how big the classroom was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. how he I is. I might have said to the living God, "Are you out of your mind?" <laughs> it, it, trust me, God and I have had many an interesting conversations in this life. I can tell you. <laughs> you know, and I, and I, oh my goodness, I still can remember those days where I said to God, are you crazy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying this to the Almighty God. But He has a plan <laughs> and a purpose for all our lives. You know, and yeah, sometimes we don't see it. I that times, you know, when I'm going, are you right. out of your mind, God? Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know? It's amazing how it you. Which is another reason why I can't understand why he still bothers with me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But nevertheless, um, yeah, he called me from that and he put me into a, into his ministry. And Amen. um, oh my goodness, I can't think of doing anything else in this life. Yeah. Amen. I wouldn't want. You know, it has its good times. It has its bad times. You know, you're always wondering if you have two months, I mean, two pennies at the end of the month to rub or not. Yeah. But not be safe, you know. It's, Amen. His ministry is still going on here. Amen. Amen. Yeah? Amen. So, Rory, you have any more um, questions that are that's just knocking around uh, your head? Yes. I, I, I have quite a number more. Doc, you know. Um, yeah. We see in our you, you talked about the political climate. Um, yeah, you talk about how uh, Donald Trump uh, has become a Christian, and um, one of the things I wanted to say: Do you? And I'm just just asking you now: Do you think that the former president is finished, President Obama, or do you think he still has another role to play? Somewhere um, in the future. Well, okay. There are rumors that he's going to be, try to become the Secretary General of the United of the United Nations. Okay. Um, not after the disaster he made of America, but then again, that was part of the plan. You know, yeah. I love the way he tried to espouse he was a Christian when I personally know he's a hardcore Muslim. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know. And I will not back down from that statement because I am planning on writing another DVD in the um, Secrets of the Illuminati series. That's one of the series. I've, I've got two series. Well, one, one is supposed to be finished, you know, but I'm always adding to it. I don't know why. Um, there's a second one I'm working on right now. Um, a number of DVDs is in it. It's called, um, it's in the Bible series. And I'm, I may be working on the third one, but 
I, I'm planning on writing a DVD exposing Obama for the true Muslim that it really is. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah. of him trying to say he's a Christian, and yet all he can do is pop and beat up on, you know, the poor Christians. Yeah. You know, Vince, a Muslim with Christian tendencies. You know, Vince comes the biblical expression physician heal thyself. You know? Mm. Um, if, he, if he was um, a Christian, as he claims he is, his actions um, state completely up the opposite. And the Bible does mm-hmm. tell us, by their fruits you shall know them. You shall know them. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, his fruits, I was rocked into the core as you can get them. Yeah. Mm. And his role, as far as trying to get the Secretary General position, I don't think he's going to get it. Now, it's interesting that he claimed, now, this is what he claimed. The only reason he was going to stay in Washington was because his daughter has, I think, three more years left in college. And he didn't want to just uproot her. Right. Uh, first of all, I don't buy it, because college mm-hmm. kids, because college kids transfer all the time. Second of all, the reason I'm convinced he was saying was so he could try to control the political climate of the Democrats, because not even um, a week after Trump was president, Obama stuck his nose into it. Yep. Yep. Saw that. You know, so, no, I'm not buying his excuse. Well, my daughter's in college, so I'm going to make sure she finishes there before we move, you know, out of Washington, D.C. Yeah, tell me another one. (laughs) Yeah. We see all of that going on in the background, and it's just amazing to us the the climate that's in flux right now. Uh, Exactly. Well, that's because... The establishment there doesn't know how to control Trump. Yeah. See, that's the problem. The one thing they will usually offer the person is money or power. Well, Donald Trump had both before he even set foot in D.C. So you can't offer him something he doesn't already have. (laughs) So as as I told you before, he's a wild card. They don't know what to do because they can't control them. Hmm. Oh. Well, that's, this that's has... what, and that's exactly what D.C. needed, was an old-fashioned wake and shake them up and bring them back to what the Constitution says and not what the politicians say. Correct. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You know, I agree with that know, totally. It, this this has been a very fruitful conversation. We have three minutes and twenty two, twenty one, twenty seconds left. So, uh, what would you like to close out on, um, Mr. Marquis? Oh, don't ask me that. I never know what to say. <laughs> no, well, it's your show. You close it up the way you want to close it out. Well, you know, we want to thank you for uh, coming on our show and giving this information that you've given tonight. And we want people yes. out there to just. I, I didn't hear that last. What was that? We just want people to be attentive in their reading of their Bibles to understand that Amen. reality, the reality of the dark side and the light side is all there. If you believe in a God, then it has to be a devil. If you believe in a devil, there has to be a God. If you believe in demons, there must be angels. So, exactly. in this world that we live in, there's only one Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. Rory, Amen. you got two minutes left. Say something. 
And I say the same. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man. He came and lived among us. He died for our sins, and he redeemed us by the blood. The blood, him shedding his blood for us, dying on the cross for us so that we can be redeemed. And that's why we are here. That's why Doc Marquise is here tonight. That's why we are all here, because of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. And he has saved us and brought us back. So, yes, when we look out on the world and we see all the things that are going on out in the world, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt there is a true and living God that loves us so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Doc, I don't know if you have any closing remarks. Please go ahead, sir. Well, I would tell those people, uh, well, I was ask everyone one question. If you were walking across the highway right now and you got ran over by an 18-wheeler, you're dead beyond the point of dead. Do you know for a certainty where, would you, where you would end up? Would you end up in heaven or would you end up in hell? And if you don't know the answer, talk um, to Rory or Chris. Call them up or call me up. Let one of us know you don't know if you would end up in heaven or hell. And if you want to know for certain, we can show you how you can be certain once and for all. Amen. Amen. Well, Doc, thank you again for coming on. And we'd love to have you back um, to talk again. So, um, yes. You want me to talk again? You've got the number. Just get a hold of me. All right. Thank you so much, Doc. It was, it was great. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Good night, everyone. And Good thanks night. for tuning in. Up to 70% off. That's right, at Court Furniture Clearance Center. Get up to 70% off new retail prices and choose from a wide variety of previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. All items are court certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Make the smart choice and visit one of our five locations in the DMV or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.